Alright you absolute legends, welcome back to another episode of A Need to Read. I'm Ed, your host as always, and today we're going to be a book review of BJ Fogg's Tiny Habits. Just before I get into that, the podcast today is sponsored by BetterHelp, and BetterHelp provide an online therapy service to millions of people all over the world, including people that I know and love. If you find yourself in a position where your mental health is not great, your inner critic is super, super loud, your circumstances are not providing you with the security and the safety that you think you need, chatting to a professional about that is a wholly good idea. Therapy has positively impacted my life and the lives of people around me and many listeners to a need to read. It's helped me reduce anxiety, times when I've been battling with depression, therapy has really, really helped. If you think that therapy might be for you, and hey, maybe it is, head to betterhelp.com forward slash a need to read and you can get 10% off your first month. All you need to do is follow that link. You don't need to put in a code. You run through a quick five minute questionnaire and you'll be matched with a therapist within 48 hours. So your life could begin to change by the end of the week. All you have to do is head to betterhelp.com forward slash a need to read. Now, the information for the sponsors of this podcast are also in the description and there is a link to sign up to my mailing list. And it's called Intermittent Insights because I can never commit to a day to send them or commit to how many a week that I send. But what I do promise is that you will learn something and hopefully be entertained by a piece of writing that will take you about three or four minutes to read. It's kind of worth your time. It doesn't take much effort. And all you have to do is click the link in my description and you can see everything I've written so far. And that is the Substack link at the top. But let's get talking about this book. Now, BJ Fogg, the guy who wrote the book, he is an American social scientist. He has taught people like Jack Dorsey, the old CEO of Twitter. Uh, Jamie Metzl, I think his name is, the guy who did The Social Dilemma. And he runs the what used to be called the Stanford Persuasive Technology Lab, which I think they renamed just for ethical reasons to the Behaviour Design Lab. So this man is responsible for your Instagram addiction, Twitter addiction, all of these different things that on the internet use psychology to manipulate you into behaving ways that they want you to. But as if to redeem himself, he's written this book, Tiny Habits, I don't think he's gone all the way to redeeming himself uh, from the stuff that he studied, but I don't think also that he's a bad person. The book is actually quite good. I know when people talk about habits, people often will relate to atomic habits because it's easy to read and everyone loves it and it's sold millions of copies. And of course, it is a great book and I've spoken about it before on the podcast. But as with habits, as with everything else you kind of read, it doesn't hurt to read another book on it. Because let's face it, many of you will have read Atomic Habits and still don't put it into practice. I'm the same because we have this thing called the information action fallacy. So essentially, we think when we take on board information, we'll then be able to use it forevermore. But that's not usually the case. We take on board information and then we kind of forget it. Or we know what to do, but we don't put it into action. That seems to be part of the human condition It's just not having your actions aligned with what you want to do. Now, I think it would be very, very tiring to live a life where your intention and your action meet completely. 
because let's face it, we all overestimate our ability, our energy levels and things like that. So if we were to always do what we say we're going to do, I think you'd just be pretty knackered or you'd have to work out very specifically what your balance would be. So this book is all about tiny habits. So we don't get ourselves tired. We don't burn ourselves out and you don't take on too much information before it's necessary. I'll go into the actual science of tiny habits in a moment but firstly just a note on how to build your habits and how to treat yourself when you're building your habits because the first thing you have to realize is that your motivation and your willpower are not as reliable as you'd like to think they would be there's a american psychologist who works out of australia roy baumeister who's speaking of ego depletion and essentially he says that our self-control is impaired when we made a lot of choices we get tired. This is why it's easier to order a delivery or any other type of delivery service in the evening than it would be in the morning. Because in the morning, you don't get decision fatigue. You're not tired of making decisions that are good for you. But when the evening comes around, you just go for the easiest option. And that is because of ego depletion. Now, we will all fall prey to that at some point in our lives and probably every single day. But when it comes to behaviour change, because that's essentially all a habit is, is you're trying to change a behaviour, we have to just be aware of the fact that our motivation and willpower will trick us into doing things that we don't intend to do. So that information and action, intention, action, gap is expanded by the fact that we're tired. So one of the things I quite liked about the book was the approach seemed quite a compassionate approach. As in, yeah, try something new. It might not work for you, it might not fit into your life. Do not give yourself a hard time for that. And that was one of the kind of many things that I liked about this book. But now when we're talking about behaviour change, because that is what we're talking about here, any habit that you put into place or any habit that you do every single day is essentially a behaviour. Now, BJ Fogg says that behaviour happens when your motivation, your ability and prompt meet. And you'll easily be able to Google this graph, by the way, and I will put a link to it in the description. But just use your imagination for a moment. Imagine a standard graph, one line going up, one line going across. On the one that's going up, you've got high motivation needed at the top, low motivation at the bottom. And then on the line that goes across, you've got something that is difficult to do lined up with the line that goes upwards. And on the far side, on the right-hand side, would be something that's easy to do. In your mind, just draw a curved line from the bottom right up to the top left. If your prompt falls on the right-hand side of that graph, you're more likely to do it. If it falls on the left, it's going to be very difficult for you to do because it's either something that's hard to do and you've got low motivation or it's hard to do and you've got medium motivation so it's too hard, your ability, you actually can't do it currently but if it's something you're likely to do it's because it's either easy or your motivation's really high or it's kind of easy and your motivation's about medium. It's a very nice graph, I'll put a link for it in the description because audio describing a graph doesn't really seem to work so well. And what BJ Fox calls this is the BMAP method. So behavior, motivation, ability, prompt. I think just understanding this can help you build habits, right? So just understanding that you're not, say you're going to start meditating, and you're like, right, I'm going to do 20 minutes a day straight away, all the time. 
Of course, you're able to do that. I believe in everyone's ability to do pretty much anything. It's just it will be really fucking difficult, and you won't want to do it again. You'll be disheartened. So we've got to make sure things are either fitting within our ability or that our motivation is high. But of course, don't always rely on that motivation. And when you're first starting out, the whole premise of this book is tiny habits, right? So you have to start really, really small, laughably small even. Say you wanted to get fit, it would be 10 press-ups in the morning. If if that's out of your range of ability, of course, don't do 10 press-ups. You just do four, five, one even. You start so small that you're almost kind of embarrassed that this is the level of behavior that you're starting with. It's the easiest way to do it because tiny is easy. You can literally do it straight away and you can nurture it so it's bigger, right? But how do you actually get the get the behavior? How do you find the behavior? And for this, BJ Fogg says we have to look at behavior design. So firstly, what you want to do is clarify your aspiration. So what is it you want to be? Do you want to be fitter? Do you want to be smarter? Better connected to the people around you? Do you want to be more mindful? Do you want to reduce your stress? Once you've decided on your aspiration, and this can be, this doesn't have to be specific, this is quite a broad aspiration, you then explore your options of behaviour. So let's say, for example, you wanted to be more mindful. What would you do? No phones at the table would be a particular behaviour or reducing your screen time, spending less time on your phone. Meditating might be something you want to put in there. Yoga might be something you want to do to become more mindful. Lots of options and you just write them all down. This does take work, but it does seem to work. So that helps, right? And when you're exploring your options, this is when you make it specific. And you're going to put this on another graph. And this graph is just like a cross, right? So at the top, you have high impact behaviors. At the bottom, low impact And then on the axis that goes across, you have to have what you won't do on the left and what you will do on the right. Your golden behaviours will fall into high impact behaviours that you will do. But it won't be right in the top corner. These like idealist things that are going to be high impact and you're going to be motivated all the time. They kind of don't exist and you have to work with what you've got. So once you've got those, you start to get a little bit more specific you start mapping it out on that graph thinking right let's say it's meditation meditation is something that will probably have quite high impact is it something you do no i won't be able to do that because i'm not going to be able to fit it into my day so you kind of cast that to the side high impact again probably 15 minutes of yoga let's say that's great you want to start yoga it's something that you will do because maybe you quite enjoy it. So from that point, where you've got your how to be more mindful, I want to do yoga, you make it tiny. So you're like, right, in the morning, when I get up, I'm going to do three minutes of yoga. Or if you want to get even smaller than that, say you chose meditating as a method, but you can't seem to fit it in your day. Let's just say you get home from work, you're sat in the car, or you're sat somewhere, you're sat on the bus, you just do 10 deep breaths long exhale bit longer than the inhale because that's good for reducing stress i know that because of uh the book breath or the uh podcast i did with james nester if you haven't listened to it go and have a listen to that one and then the final thing once you've got your specific tiny behavior that you're going to start doing you need a good prompt 
So when we think about prompts, we need to think about a good anchor moment. Now, this anchor moment needs to be something in context because a context prompt works. A reminder on your phone doesn't work as well as we'd like it to, let's face it. But if it's something within your environment and it's attached to a behavior that you already do, that's a great anchor moment. That's a great prompt. You then do this new behavior right after that prompt. And one of the key things in Tiny Habits is that you celebrate after. So this is another one of his methods, and it's called the ABC method. Classic. Everyone uses ABC, but this one actually kind of works quite well. So your anchor behavior celebration. And the celebration is like, it just hacks your reward system in your brain, which means that you're going to do the behavior again. In the book, there are about 100 different ways in which you can celebrate, including giving yourself a massage, looking in the mirror and saying you're proud of you. But you have to work something out yourself. It's all very individual. If I had to look in the mirror and tell myself I was proud of myself after I did a new behavior, I probably wouldn't do that behavior for long. But if I just celebrated to myself and was like, yes, get in, that probably makes my brain think I've done something good. So I'm hacking that reward network. And that's what you do with the celebration. So once you have all of that information and you put that information together, you can essentially start writing your own little habit cards. And on your habit card, it's just a promise to yourself where you say after X behavior or context prompt. So after cleaning your teeth, or that's an example I use all the time. After having a shower, I will, insert next behavior, sit on my bed and do 10 deep breaths. After I've done my 10 deep breaths, I will celebrate, of course, to hack the reward system. You finish your 10 breaths and you sit on the bed and you celebrate like fuck. You get up, you're a champion, you do a fist pump, you shout at yourself, Maybe you even go to the mirror and tell yourself you're such a good boy and you deserve all the treats in the world. It doesn't matter how you celebrate as long as you celebrate because that's how you hack your reward system. Now that particular method is something you probably would have heard me talk about before because it comes from Atomic Habits. But I'm assuming, because James Clear is a bit of a journalist, I think he's probably just done the work from what BJ Fogg has studied in the lab and, and all of his experiments. Now, of course, this isn't going to work all the time. So there are things you're going to have to do to keep track of this. And one is creating a habit tracker. That's super easy. You can buy them on the internet or you can literally get a piece of paper and you can do a tally chart. You don't need to go spending your money on a habit tracker. You can get other people involved. You can get an accountability partner. You can get a friend to do this new behavior with you or just to keep checking in on you. I know lots of people, I, th I think this is why people have coaches because their coaches kind of keep them accountable. But if you've got other people in your life and you don't want to spend money on a coach or you haven't got the money for a coach or you don't believe in it, just get a friend involved and you can keep each other accountable. You may have heard me speak about this before, but that's what they do at Alcoholics Anonymous. They have a sponsor and a sponsee. So when someone new comes into AA to beat their addiction, someone who's been there for a while becomes their sponsor and that relationship is like mutual accountability. And that is why there is a lot of success coming from AA programs. How interesting is that? That's a good fact that you can tell your friends. Now, obviously, 
let's face it, when it comes to behaviour change, you're not always going to do what you want to do. And some things aren't going to fit into your life. So when you're trying to adopt a new behaviour and it doesn't seem to work for you, please feel no shame about just giving up. And then go back to the drawing board. Be like, right, what was my aspiration with implementing this behaviour? Let's say it was the meditating thing. It's like, right, well, how are the other ways I can be mindful? And then try and implement that. And you get to approach this as if you're a scientist doing an experiment, right? Look at behaviour change as an experiment. It makes it less personal for you. It means you're not going to like exhort the failure if you do fail because, I mean, let's face it, you probably will at some point. But scientists don't worry about giving up. I'm sure a lot of them are trying to feed their own confirmation bias. But when the experiment has results that don't work, they'll give up and move on to something else. And that's what you have to be able to do when it comes to behaviour change yourself. Don't be afraid to give up. I know there are people on Instagram and on the internet and everywhere. And in your life probably, they'll be like, oh, never give up. Be a hustler. Keep going. Well, if it doesn't fit into your life, it's, if it's beyond your ability, go back to the drawing board. It may even just be the case that you need to make the behaviour smaller. But if you've made the behaviour small, 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 and you still can't get it into your system or into your daily routine, just move on to a different behaviour. It's no shame in that. So that's a nice way to approach it. Another thing you can do when it comes to bad behaviours that BJ Fogg talks about in the book is you just need to remove the prompt. Whatever your prompt is for the bad behaviour, be that chocolate in the fridge. If you keep chocolate in the fridge, you might not keep chocolate in the fridge. I don't personally, but I know that's that's a serious debate in, in 2022, is do you keep chocolate in the fridge? Don't have it around the house. Or just restrict when this prompt's going to come up. Work out what prompts you to do the behaviour that you want to get rid of and try and get rid of that prompt. There is more information on how to get rid of bad habits in the book. But one of the most important things when it comes to bad habits is just try and swap it out for something new. And then we're back full circle to bringing in a new habit. So essentially what you want to do is make sure that your motivation, your willpower aren't being relied upon too heavily. You want to make sure that things are easy enough for you to do and that they kind of meet your motivation. You want a context prompt. So you want something within your normal daily life, in your routine already, that will make you think, oh, I need to do X behavior. And then you start super tiny and super specific. So after I have been for a shit I'm going to do X. Like, you know, wash your hands. Or even, before you go and make any big changes in your life, how about just flossing your teeth? I'm sure any dentist listening will be quite happy with this. But you can just clean your teeth and then floss one tooth. So you're starting tiny and you're being very specific. Once you floss your tooth, celebrate. Congratulate yourself. You've done well. After a week or so, increase the intensity. You get to choose the pace in which you increase your intensity here, but just recognise that when you start failing to do the behaviour because you've made it too intense, you can just dial back again. And it's that easy. Behaviour change is very, very difficult, but methods like this can make it quite a bit easier, and knowing this stuff makes it a whole lot easier. Of course, there is that gap between the information you have and the actions that you do, but if you're quite accepting of that fact, it doesn't seem so bad. 
and having a compassionate approach and a scientific approach to your behavior change is only going to make it last longer, right? Whether you're trying to get fitter or more mindful or create better connections to the people around you, the less you give, give yourself a hard time, the more likely you are to stick at that behavior and yield all the nice results from it as well, all the nice rewards that you're going to get from being fitter, smarter, or whatever it is you want. So I know people love Atomic Atomic Habits. Atomic Habits is a very, very good book still, and I do really like it. I haven't read it for maybe a year now, but Tiny Habits goes into a little bit more depth, and I would say that he kind of kicks the arse out of it. You can make a decision on whether you want to read it. I do think it is a good book. There are some parts where he completely lost me, where he essentially said that he had like a premonition that he had to share his message with the world because he went through some turbulence on a plane. Um, that's me just judging the fact that I wanted a bit of a cooler origin story. But turbulence on a plane kind of made him realise that, oh my God, he might die without ever giving this information out to the world. I'm sure there was the promise of some cash from a publisher, but that's what he said. I didn't really like that part of the book. And this is one of those books that I would recommend not being shy about skipping pages because some of it can be quite repetitive but hopefully this has got you into a point where you know a little bit more about behavior change and you'll be able to implement it because essentially what they're trying to do here or what bj fogg is trying to do he says in his book is he trying to make people do what they want to do and help them feel successful along the way and that's why there's so much emphasis on the celebration because feeling success along the way kind of make space for more success right it's not guaranteed but it does make it that little bit easier when you've got momentum so the book is tiny habits by a guy called bj fogg thank you very much for listening this podcast is also sponsored by athletic greens now athletic greens is an all-in-one green shake it's got a mushroom complex in it it's got over 75 vitamins minerals adaptogens prebiotics as well Take it in the morning on an empty stomach and it sorts out probably about 90% of your nutrition, right? Apart from the stuff that you actually have to eat for energy, the vitamins, minerals, all of that is taken care of by Athletic Greens. Now, as a Need to Read listener, you can get a year's supply of vitamin D3 and five free travel packs with your subscription at athleticgreens.com forward slash a need to read. That is athleticgreens.com forward slash a need to read. Now, all of the information for the sponsors of the show and the email list is in the description. There'll be plenty more episodes coming up. I'm trying to reduce the time of these episodes so they can fit into people's commutes when it comes to book reviews. So let me know if that's a good idea or not. You can email me. You can go to my website, check out stuff that I've been writing. I'm trying to be a better writer. I just need the feedback, really. I need you to tell me it's crap or if it's good anything any feedback is welcome you're all legends thank you so much for listening good luck with the behavior change love you bye